Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is Palm Sunday. And this is the first part of Holy Week. Our gospel reading started with Palm Sunday, and then our gospel reading ended near the end of the week with the Passion Gospel. There probably is not another week with more of an opportunity for discipleship, more of an opportunity for you to meet Jesus in a fresh way and for him to meet you as is offered in Holy Week. This in some ways is for us as we do this discipleship of knowing and following Jesus as focused and guided by the Christian year, this ancient path. This is in many ways like the outpouring that happened a little more than a month ago. This is kind of the week of weeks. This is the week that we set apart to visit anew, to enter afresh all that God did for us in His Son, most especially the atonement that was foreseen by Isaiah, was commented on by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. But before our very eyes, like Paul said to the Galatians, in this mystery of anamesis, to remember so as to enter into the reality afresh, we can enter today and this week into the reality and all the benefits of who God is in Christ and what he's done for us. You know, one of our great challenges today is we've heard this so much that it's dull to us in our hearing, in our sight, and in our hearts. So I want to invite you this year. I'm not really so much today going to do a homily in our sort of typical pattern. I hope to have a brief homily. Not many in this room have much faith in my brevity. Nor do I, for that matter. But I don't want to really today so much lay out the text and then allow God to meet us in His Word and us to meet Him in His Word. I certainly hope that happens. But I really more want to give you an invitation into the discipleship of Holy Week. I want to challenge you to make this week different than any other week of the year. Make room for remembrance. Make room for honesty. Make room for confession. Make room for contemplation of who God is and how He revealed His deepest heart in the passion of our Lord Jesus and in His mighty resurrection. Don't let this just be a typical week. I'll have to admit to you that as rector, often I would have great aspirations in Lent to really slow down and get focused and just come clean and get real with God and others. But because of all the demands, family and church and 
this situation and that situation and not everyone just being happy with me. I, I never understood that. And all of the things that were buzzing around inside and outside, often I would get to Holy Week and my, Lent, my Lenten practice was not, I, I, let's just say it was unremarkable. But many, many, many times I've let Holy Week make up for that. Sometimes if I had been working at pushing away from screens and denying myself and making room in my life so that I could, in a fresh way, open myself to God and others and to my own sin and brokenness. Slow down this week. If you've had a good Lent, well, then you're ready. If you hadn't, why don't you let it? Be a redemption. I want to invite you today. I want to summon you into the discipleship of Holy Week. What our text today gives us and what Holy Week gives us is Jesus at his best, the disciples, the religious leaders, and the civic leaders at their worst. That's what Holy Week is all about. God at his best. In his clearest revelation of his deepest heart. Do you know that a fourth of the book of Matthew is dedicated to this week? That ought to tip us off as to how profound this week is in God's mission to save us. And God's all-out effort to not condemn us but reconcile us to himself. And for us to get to know his heart. For him to live as intimate with us as our breath and our thoughts. Half of the book of John, practically, on this week. At least a fourth, except for Luke, is dedicated to this week. God, Jesus at his best, and we at our worst. Let's just taste a moment. The triumphant entry, as we call it. Jesus didn't seem to see it quite the same way. The crowd, Galilean pilgrims probably, some folks from Bethany most likely, the twelve, they were so happy that Jesus finally embraces his Messiahship by their definition. To throw off the Romans and to reign. But Jesus very patiently because he was God and he is the Messiah and he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And just judgment and actually the wrath of God that is never apart from his love. If we trust the salvation that's in Christ, we don't have to, we don't have to fear the wrath of God. It'll do us good. If we've rejected him, it's to be greatly feared. They thought it was coming. Finally, God was going to set things straight on the basis of Isaiah and the minor prophets that they had been longing for all their life for generations. But Jesus knew that he was coming to suffer Separation from God the Father. There's a mystery there we, we can't even, there's not words for it. 
to bear the sins of the whole world, all of human history, coming from behind him in the moment of his death and atoning, bearing of our sins in all of history until he comes again. The sin of every man, woman, and child. Jesus knew that the only way for us to be saved was for, in his humanity, to take our mocking, to become vulnerable, to let us get our sinful hands on him. It's the only way we could be saved is from the inside. God is plenty able to do a power show. If God wants to overpower you and control you, it's no problem for him. I'm convinced it just violates his nature of Hesed and agape. All power, all authority gets on a donkey, not a stallion, not a chariot, riding on a donkey, humble. And Luke's gospel, weeping over Jerusalem. The love of God at its best. Do you know every definition I know of agape in the New Testament? No, not everyone. That's way overstated. But I love to go there at first. But let me back up. Many of them. Hyperbole is easy. Accuracy much more difficult. Thank you, brother. Many of the definitions of how God, who he is and how he loves us cannot but point to what Jesus did for us on the cross, his atonement, his death in our place. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man will be lifted up. No greater love has anyone than he lays down his life for his friends. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And this is love, not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and gave Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for us. Men and women, God at his best, loving you in Holy Week. So let me make some suggestions. You'll hear this morning, Jolie says, she brings us uh, by the Holy Spirit to the table of the Lord, where Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me. It's Anna, Jonathan. That. Which is the Greek word for remembrance. I only say it once accurately. To remember so as to enter into the reality of it afresh. I want to invite you this week to clear one hour. 30 minutes if you think you can't do an hour. And just spend time. 
focusing on the love of God. Let me give you a few suggestions to do that. I would encourage you during that 30 minutes the first, uh, of the hour, one thirty minutes, just read about what happened on that day in Holy Week. Mark can help you index Matthew because he's a little more blurry about what day it happens. And just be with Jesus. Just see him. See him at his best. You'll find that he is no lamb in the, our sense of meek and mild always. He is a roaring Aslan, a lion. But he identifies himself, all power, all authority, as humble and gentle of heart. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not extinguish. That part of you that's most afraid and most broken. I'll never forget a young college girl. Uh, we were talking in a Bible study, and uh, we were talking about the amazing, intimate love of God. And she says, I just can't trust that. I just can't because she says, I've been let down so many times. I just couldn't bear it. I just couldn't bear it if the love of God let me down like that. You know, Jesus came in such a way that he didn't, overpower or overwhelm those places in us that are right there. Just be with him. Let him be with you. Why don't you plan and host a Monday, Thursday Seder meal or foot washing of all sakes. Can you imagine washing your family's feet? Might break out an outpouring that would rival what happened a month ago. Or it might blow things up. It'll take you a few weeks to get over. Attend all Holy Week services and just be there to remember so as to enter afresh into those things. Jesus at his best. I'm going in the wrong direction. Let's see what we can do here. There we go. You may have to save me back there, Randy. There we go. I want to invite you to look into the mirror of the disciples' failure, the hypocrisy and the self-serving leadership of the religious leaders, and of the mocking and violence of the Roman soldiers, and see yourself. See yourself. The disciples, their idea of Jesus got in the way of them knowing Jesus. They were bickering over who had the first and second and third place. They were sure they weren't going to fail Jesus. Certainly Peter wasn't. That their commitment was strong and nothing could break it. They weren't with him when he most in his humanity needed those near him to be with him. Just too sleepy. Just too overwhelmed. Willing, but just too weak. And they just broke and ran. And Peter vehemently denied him. They lapsed. They were hiding behind doors, scared to death, confused, hearts blown out. I want to invite you this week 
to take 30 minutes of your time and get real honest about your, your sin, your bad attitudes, your selfishness, your pride, your unwillingness, your rebellion. Now, I hope you're not taking offense. When you get my age, it's pretty easy. Just to, I can remember when I was some of you all's age, first time I heard Jesus say, and you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. I was utterly offended. Who are you calling evil, Jesus? I just, been, I just got converted about three years ago. Who are you calling evil? These days I just go, yeah, I get it. I get it. Just come clean. God's grace and presence rushes to that kind of honesty. Get honest with other people. Do some apologizing. Someone apologized to me yesterday in a way that was so difficult. That it was just shocking and beautiful and transforming for me. Get honest with yourself. Confess your sins to God and others that you might be healed. Set an appointment. You know, we have a right of healing, the reconciliation of a penitent. We do confession in the Anglican Church. Set an appointment with one of these priests this week. We got a beautiful, beautiful service. I, I have seen so many people's lives renewed in doing confession. Set up an appointment. And do a confession. Humble yourself with fasting. And attend, if you're going to attend one Easter service besides Sunday morning, come to the Easter vigil. And prepare to renounce Satan and sin and the sinful world afresh and anew. And throw wide open your life. Open to Jesus as a renewal of your baptismal vow. So I want to challenge you to make this week not just... A typical week. This is Holy Week. Balls in your court.